Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I felt my ears had filled with water, that's the only way I can describe it. My nose felt like it was being pushed off the front of my face. I felt like I'd been hit in the back of the head with a cricket bat. And clearly I knew that something was wrong. Once I'd got back to feeling reasonably healthy physically, it took then about another six to 12 months to recover psychologically from what is a trauma because your shield of invincibility has been removed and you feel vulnerable, which I'd never really felt before. But everybody rallied round and uh, I've got um, a good network of friends and family and I'm glad of that. And that really helped with my recovery, having a network of people who knew what it could be like for me. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. In the UK, there are more than 100,000 strokes every year. That's about one every five minutes. It's usually sudden, and it can be a devastating illness. And while the health services are amazing with diagnosis and treatment, after the stroke, patients often find that there aren't enough resources to help them on that journey to recovery. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. Nick was 46 when he suffered his stroke at home, and having had no health complications in earlier life, it came as a complete shock to him. Before my stroke, um, life was fairly normal. I um, had my stroke when I was 46. Prior to that, I was busy with work. Um, Nothing seemed to be wrong with me. I considered myself healthy, albeit perhaps a little bit on the large side, and everything was normal. So I had no indicators that I was going to have a stroke until the day it happened. I was um, in my house. I just had a business meeting in the morning. I'd come back to meet um, a building inspector because we were having our house extended, and I was sitting in our front lounge patiently waiting for him. And I suppose that day I felt a bit off colour, just like you feel when you're feeling um, a bit odd, a bit imbalanced. And I was checking out of the front window to see if he'd arrived and I stood from the sofa and then began to feel very odd. I felt my ears had filled with water, that's the only way I can describe it. My nose felt like it was being pushed off the front of my face. I felt like I'd been hit in the back of the head with a cricket bat. And clearly, I knew that something was wrong. So I um, managed to make it to a phone in our hallway and called an ambulance and it all unfolded from there, really. It it sounds possibly 
melodramatic to say that I kind of am used to remaining reasonably calm under pressure, um, but this is one time in my life when I didn't feel like that at all. It was such an unusual sensation. You tend to hear about stroke survivors and stroke um, advisors talking about FAST, which is an acronym that the Stroke Association promotes, um, which stands for, if I can remember it, face, arms, speech and time. And what you tend to hear about um, is people's face um, drooping on the left or right, they're not able to use their arms and so on. But I didn't know what was happening. It was just a very, very odd sensation. And it was almost like, from my perspective, it felt like I was shutting down. It was... um, I was kind of like literally knocked off my feet and I was on the phone to an ambulance um, wondering what was going on. I was on the house on my own um, and I was thinking as you tend to under circumstances like that about my wife and children really and um, I was thinking is this it? Um, I was hoping not because I was only 46 um, but I didn't know what was happening um, until an ambulance arrived and they were there very quickly probably within five minutes and they took uh, various readings from me um, put sensors on my heart took my blood pressure and one of the paramedics who uh, dealt with me said your blood pressure is absolutely sky high and my blood pressure was 250 over 150 and for those who know about blood pressure that's over double what it should be and I didn't know I had high blood pressure ironically so um, that is clearly what caused my stroke and from the um, time that the paramedics were there who was advising me that that's what they thought I'd had, I lost sensation in my left leg. I didn't have what people stereotypically think with the symptoms of a stroke. My face didn't droop. I didn't uh, go unconscious. I had full use of my arms. The only symptom I had that was like the typical symptoms of a stroke was uh, my left leg not being um, of any use to me at all. I was thinking of trying to use it, but then I couldn't. Um, and then I was whisked off to hospital and uh, put in an A&E waiting room. Um, I was in there for about an hour um, waiting to be seen and felt horribly unwell. Um, I, this is where it all sort of goes um, blank for me because um, after being in there for about an hour, I don't really tend to remember that much. But from what I'm told, I was in A&E. Um, I was then taken off for an MRI scan and they discovered that I had a bleed on the brain. So what I actually had, my former stroke, was um, what's called a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which is a, a hemorrhagic stroke. Um, where you get a bleed on the brain as opposed to an ischemic stroke, um, which is a clot. So mine was slightly different. And um, Macclesfield is a general hospital with no specialist facilities for neuro patients like I turned out to be. And so I was whisked off to Salford Royal Hospital uh, to a neurological ward there, which is fantastic. And I was operated on my, my, my incident happened on a Friday. I um, was seen on Friday afternoon um, at Salford Royal. They decided that the bleed hadn't extended any further, so they delayed surgery until the weekend. Um, I had a platinum coil um, inserted into my head, a tiny thing, and the surgery um, took, I think, about three hours, and then I had two weeks in hospital. And my recovery really started then, after I was in hospital, and and the recovery for me was the challenge. Physically, Nick was fortunate. However, psychologically, he found the experience very challenging. Physically, the recovery for me, as opposed to other stroke survivors, 
I suppose wasn't that bad. Um, other people who have strokes I know suffer horribly from asphasia. They um, lose the ability to speak clearly. They lose the ability to walk and talk um, and have to relearn it. I didn't have anything like that. My stroke, although it was fairly major to me, it may sound odd to say, it was probably, in hindsight, having met other stroke survivors, um, reasonably minor. I know it wasn't, it was still um, minor, but in terms of comparison about how I am physically now, that's how I feel. Um, so my recovery was somewhat physical after two weeks in hospital um, and going through a traumatic surgery, um, you become very tired. I was sleeping, can't remember how much, but it felt like about 20 hours a day. And the uh, recovery was probably about a month to two months at home before I felt up to going out um, physically. But the biggest challenge for me, which I understand is um, reasonably common from other people, is the change in your personality um, temporarily and also the mental health side of things. I had to um, see a neurological psychologist for a while, which is fantastic. Again, based at Salford Royal, he was amazing, told me why people feel like that. And... Once I'd got back to feeling reasonably healthy physically, it took then about another six to 12 months to recover psychologically from what is a trauma. And I suppose it's like any form of post-traumatic stress disorder or panic disorder. Something happens to you and then something in your brain turns on um, because your shield of invincibility has been removed and you feel vulnerable, which I'd never really felt before. Now I feel, oddly, quite pleased to have had it in a really odd way, and I'll explain why in a minute. But when I had my stroke, I was wondering, why me? I, like most men of my age, um, you go through life thinking nothing's ever going to happen to me, and I know it's kind of an overused phrase, people say that about any kind of illness, but I felt like everybody else does. Nothing will happen. I'm not going to have a stroke. I'm not going to have cancer. I'm not going to have a heart attack, anything like this. The holy trinity of things that affect people. One of them wasn't going to affect me. So um, after it actually did, and I found out uh, that I'd had a brain hemorrhage, but also that brain hemorrhage is known as a stroke, that I was vulnerable, um, it affected me hugely psychologically. And um, that took a long time to fix um, it's like unpicking a lock. It, something just turns on in your brain. You get a, a, a massive amount of adrenaline coursing through um, your veins. You feel on edge all the time. Nothing like I've ever experienced before. I wouldn't want anybody else to experience it. And not everybody does after a, um, a stroke. But I look back on it now because it's two years since it happened, which is a reasonably short period of time. But now I can walk out to the park, I can take my kids to school, I can do all the things that I was unable to do for a while. And in hindsight, I have used the stroke, which is a situation which I couldn't control, um, always liking to be in control with things that um, I do and what affects me, but I uh, used that situation to then try and make me and my life better. It's um, odd, which 
people say they stare death in the face and all that kind of stuff and it's quite melodramatic but that's how it felt and I set about well I don't really want to do that again so how can I make myself better so I've lost a load of weight started exercising and have been fitter than or I am now fitter than I ever have been. Nick's family and friends were an important part of his recovery. They formed a close-knit support network that he was able to turn to whenever he needed help. My wife was amazing and she um, came back on the train after I phoned her from an ambulance saying, I think I'm unwell, I didn't really want to alert her to exactly what had happened. Um, everybody rallied round. My sister-in-law came over to see my wife. My mum came round um, looking after the children. Um, I was apparently, because this is all a bit of a shady memory for me, I was contacted by um, a number of my friends. People came to visit me in hospital and so on. But I suppose one of the things about stroke is people don't know how you're going to turn out. You know, it, 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 the, the stereotypical view of what a stroke survivor looks like maybe what I used to think, which was... Um, you tend to be elderly, you tend to have the droop in your face, the inability to talk properly. Um, so people were surprised. You know, the, the week or the weekend before um, I had a stroke, I was organising a rugby festival. I was full of um, the joys of life. Um, I didn't feel odd in any way. So my friends were surprised that it happened. I didn't look ill. I didn't feel ill. But everybody rallied round and um, I've got um, a good network of friends and family and I'm glad of that. My sister-in-law is um, a senior nurse in Northern Ireland and she was on call uh, to my wife to answer any questions that she had. And that really helped with my recovery, having a network of people who knew what it could be like for me because one of the issues that I have spoken to other people about is you enter hospital, you are fixed in hospital because that's what their job is to make you as well as they possibly can do. And then, like with me, I was sent back home and had a leaflet telling me what had happened and was left to my own devices to a large degree. So I had to use my friends and my family to support me through recovery. My local GP was great. The people at um, Salford Royal, I couldn't uh, compliment enough. But you are left out to dry a little bit when you come home and um, you're told that you have a stroke and you need to get back on with your life as best you can. During Nick's recovery, he became focused on reinventing his lifestyle, becoming a fitter and happier version of his previous self. So I set a number of milestones and challenges, really. The mental health side of it was a significant thing for me, so I had to do a lot of research into um, why people suffer from mental health issues and trauma and stress after these kind of things happen. And... Um, Connections with things like alcohol, um, caffeine, salt, um, diet, uh, mindfulness, all, a whole plethora of different things come into play. I, I was particularly good at feeling sorry for myself, I suppose, early on, um, and I realised that that's not really a good thing to do. So I needed to get on and try my best to do things. So I set an, a couple of challenges. A very good friend of mine is a very clean-living, healthy cyclist. He spoke to me about... Um, he gave up drinking seven years ago. I was not a big drinker, I don't think, but realised that with the combination of um, pills that I was now having to take to control my blood pressure and to get myself back on track, probably alcohol wasn't the best thing to do, so I gave up drinking alcohol. 
I gave up drinking caffeine, I gave up salt, I gave up sugar, and I thought I'm going to have a period of clean living, and I've been doing that for about 18 months now. And as well as doing that, I set a target of uh, riding a charity bike ride for the Stroke Association last June, um, which is a 100-mile cycle ride um, from somebody who was, I don't know, 16 and a half stone and 5 foot 10 and a little bit out of shape. In January 2018, I managed to lose about two and a half stone of that weight and get fit, back to my normal form of prowess. And that was the best thing I could have done. It's amazing the benefits, obviously physically, to physical challenges and getting healthy, but also mentally as well. Having targets and having goals to aim for, rather than thinking, woe is me, um, has made a massive difference. Uh, The neuropsychologist I met at Salford Royal um, many months ago now said to me, have you got a hobby? Because if you have got a hobby, it will help um, you with any kind of panic disorder and recovery that your brain will drive your physical recovery. So do something. So I did that and other personal challenges has been getting back on my feet work-wise and financially, which I've done. And I suppose personally also my challenge has been connecting with the right kind of people connecting with the right kind of friends, connecting with the people around me that are going to be supportive and have helped me through uh, the recovery, which, as I said before, I I kind of look at the stroke as an odd thing which has made me a better person because what it's done is put a big punctuation mark in my life where I thought, well, either I could carry on being somebody who drank too much, ate too much of the wrong food, uh, overweight and all that kind of stuff, or I can go away from all that, having learnt a very stern and quick lesson um, from being ill for um, a considerable amount of time and get myself back on my feet and save the NHS some money. Nick's determination and his focus on well-being were crucial in enabling him to overcome the psychological challenges of living with stroke. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Nick reflects on the power of speaking to other stroke survivors. That's been probably the most helpful thing for me in the latter parts of recovery, knowing that there are in the country other people like me of my age with families who've had the same thing. You can speak to people who absolutely understand what you're going through and that makes a massive difference and talks about his monumental efforts fundraising for the stroke association it was fantastic we started training in middle of january in the cold all wrapped up in our cycling gear and um, started off doing five then 10 then 20 then 30 40 50 miles and so on and it was a great thing to do for purely selfish reasons which was getting fit and releasing endorphins into my brain and feeling good about myself again. And um, it was great to be raising money for the Stroke Association as well. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
let's hear how, initially, Nick struggled with opening up about his illness. It was very difficult in the early stages, just because, I don't know really why, it was just very odd that um, I was very protective about what had happened and being 46, I thought it was really quite unusual for me to have had a stroke and people might think that I'm odd and that may sound funny but um, I suppose that's genuinely how I felt at the time. I wanted it to be a, a secret, I didn't want people to know how badly it affected me and I was... When I was out of hospital, two weeks after having been out of hospital, I um, tried to get up and drive to my office, which is the worst thing to have done on that day. The whole kind of um, recovery side of things really kicked off from that point, just learning to talk to people. Um, I went out for lunch with a pal of mine about a month after my um, stroke and felt really odd. Felt like I was keeling over, felt like I was getting all the symptoms again told him to take me home and I rang the neuro ward and spoke to the lead neuro nurse there, Louise, who said, that sounds like you've had a panic attack. And that's the point where I thought, well, okay, well, if I've had a panic attack, I need to speak to the doctor, I need to speak to somebody. And she said, come and see the neuropsychologist here, he'll talk to you and tell you why you're having them. And that was the, the, the point where I started learning that actually externalising it, being able to talk to people about what's happened is um, amazingly valuable in recovery and making sure you actually you have these discussions makes you learn a lot about um, yourself why it happened and preventing it happening again and the kind of conversations i had with a neuropsychologist about uh, panic disorder and it's a vicious circle really you, you you start panicking then you release adrenaline which makes you panic and then it keeps going on and on and on, and on. just learning about that was massive really but i'm very open about what's happened now um, in terms of the stroke people are aware of, or brain hemorrhage, or however they want me to talk about, and also the challenges that I've had. Um, I found that being open about these things and talking them and externalising them to people that you speak to is good. I would certainly recommend that everybody does it. There's lots of information online that you can find out um, from various sources, but there are some good resources out there um, which, um, if you learn about, will help your recovery. Nick found that he was largely left to his own devices when he finally returned home, and so he took it upon himself to find support groups and resources online. I had little else to do, really. Uh, apart from sleep, I had my iPad in bed with me, so I started Googling what happened and why I'd had a stroke and why blood pressure is important to keep an eye on and all these things. Um, there are loads of information resources online. The Stroke Association is obviously an obvious one. Uh, they have very good resources. Um, there was a very good website um, that I came across called Behind the Grey, which I think was set up by an actual stroke survivor and a former neuro nurse, I think, which brings people together who have had a stroke or a brain injury for people to discuss what's happened because people can't see that you've been ill you know it's um, it's like any kind of mental health disorder people can't see and a stroke if you've recovered physically like I have people walking down the street um, who see me wouldn't know if I, I've had a stroke and they wouldn't have done even when I was very briefly out of hospital um, I didn't um, walk or talk any differently it was um, very odd, but when you, 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 you sent back from hospital, the hospital were great, the, you know, the nurses were great, but I didn't know what to expect really, that I wasn't, I wasn't greeted at home by a team of people who were going to say, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, this is going to happen to you, that's going to happen to you. I didn't expect that to happen, but I, I also didn't expect 
to come home and then sit in my lounge having been in hospital for a fortnight surrounded by people to not have any other support than what I went out and got. I can't recall there being any other proactive support for me. It was really left for me to go out and find the information that I needed. I got in contact with myself with the Stroke Association because I've been on their website and um, they provide a lot of fantastic information so I thought well I'll speak to them about what I can do for them. I um, then met with the Stroke um, Association in Macclesfield and became an ambassador for them which entailed me going to meetings, meeting other stroke survivors online. I have met a number of other stroke survivors not to speak to other than in writing online, on Facebook groups and on websites. And that's been probably the most helpful thing for me in the latter parts of recovery, knowing that there are in the country other people like me of my age with families who've had the same thing and they are all, all, some are going through the same problems, some are going through worse situations, others um, weren't as bad as me, you know, the whole cross-section of people, but you can speak to people who absolutely understand what you're going through, and that makes a massive difference. Summer 2018, Nick took part in a 100-mile cycle challenge and raised over £1,000 for the Stroke Association. The riding, the Ride London idea, came from another stroke survivor online. And I was online one day, one night, and a friend of mine who'd recommended cycling as a hobby was speaking to me that day. I was sitting in front of the fire with my wife, um, because we're both very competitive people, and I saw somebody else say that they were going to do Ride London. And having never really cycled more than five or ten miles at that point, I thought, well, that would be sensible. Um, let's do 100 miles because um, that's the kind of thing which I'd enjoy doing and um, it was fantastic we started training in middle of January in the cold all wrapped up in our cycling gear and um, started off doing 5 then 10 then 20 then 30 40 50 miles and so on and it was a great thing to do for purely selfish reasons which was getting fit and releasing endorphins into my brain and feeling good about myself again and um, it was great to be raising money for the stroke association as well um, and my wife did it with me she lost an aunt to motor neurons disease at a similar time that i was recovering from my stroke so she decided that she was going to raise money for that charity and we trained together which was fantastic um, when i wasn't feeling like going out she told me i had to and likewise um, vice versa and we did it together. Now I'm on triathlons and running and swimming and cycling and raising money for Mind and the Stroke Association now. So I'm kind of, as I said before, I've hit the reset button. I have decided that I'm going to live life a little bit more cleanly without, um, apart from blood pressure tablets, any other outside influences of alcohol or caffeine or things like that. And it's been a massive bonus for me. And the reason why I've done that which might be important for other people to learn is I was trying to work out how I could recover um, and I spent weeks and months speaking to people about why I felt like I did um, and was feeling nervous about everything. The constant theme was, well, you need to. The way I, de- I, I describe it is like, if you imagine somebody who's a high wire performer in a circus, he's stepping off the platform onto a high wire and you've got to keep your balance and you've got your arms stretched out 
left and right and you're walking across a highway it's easy to do when you're entirely sober you haven't got anything uh, affecting you when your heart is beating its normal pace and I, that's what I've tried to achieve I've tried to achieve not being hungover in mornings not being out of kilter because of the side effects that caffeine have on whatever drugs I'm taking um, and trying to keep that even balance and um, that's been what was a challenge for me to kind of get myself back on track and keep balanced on the highway as I kind of internally describe it and remind myself that that's what I've got to do, but it works. Nick says that perhaps the most important thing for him during his recovery was learning to be open about his illness and to not be afraid to discuss how he was feeling with other people. I perhaps would have described myself as somebody who not an introvert but uh, I like my own company and I used to internalize everything if I had a problem then I would sit and stew and uh, try and think it through myself and deal with it myself without speaking to anyone else Um, that on the whole doesn't work once I started talking to other people it made a huge difference it makes a massive difference knowing that you're not unique that's you are not the only person who will have the challenges that you've got, that will have hardships that you've got from family to finance to all these kind of things. There will be other people who will make you feel like you're not alone. They will give you advice on what to do, where to go, who to speak to. And it opens up um, not a new world, but a new um, way of life that's the people who have been through such a traumatic illness will absolutely understand what you're going through. You just need people to tell you that you're going to be okay. Um, and that kind of uh, conversation that I've had with people when they say, look, you, you feel like you do because of X, Y and Z, but if you do A, B and C, it, may, it will make you feel better. And it has done for me. So if there's anything that people got out of this who are worried about their future is talk to other people about why you're worried. And um, you might get some people who are not that supportive or understanding, but you will find people who are supportive and understanding and will help you and you will get better. And um, you know, life doesn't stop. They have the phrase at the Stroke Association that um, there is life after stroke, and there absolutely is. I, um, when I came out of hospital, didn't um, have much hope for getting back to normality. I now absolutely... 100% believe that I'm on a better normal than I was before. My new normal, as I call it, is um, great in comparison with my old normal. I'm, I'm a different kind of person. I've still got the same personality, but my outlook on life um, is fundamentally changed. And um, that's the kind of thing which two years ago I wouldn't have thought was possible. But because I've been out, I've spoken to people, people have been um, hugely supportive to me. And I've got a network of people who I can speak to and if I'm feeling down or if they're feeling down they can speak to me, it makes a huge difference. Nick turned his experience of stroke into something incredibly positive and since his illness he's made drastic changes to his lifestyle and well-being for the better. His determination, his friends and family and his openness about his stroke have all helped him in getting to where he is today. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke or somebody close to you has and you'd like to learn more, search for the Stroke Association online. For a dedicated NHS webpage, search for NHS Strokes. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd.
I'm Mark Goodyear. Thanks for listening. <laughs>